are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hey, we're, we're glad to have John here today. Uh, just I, I've known John for almost 10 years, and um, John is a, a, an amazing pastor and leader up in Kansas City. He is the, the longest-running vineyard pastor in our network uh, up in Kansas City and around here, and uh, I just love being around John. I, we always said, John, one of these days, you've got to come down here and speak, and uh, today's the day, so I'm very excited. So let's give it up for John as he comes just to share today. Is this going to be okay for you? Yeah, that'll work. you want to be up on stage? I'll put you up here. Okay, I'm cool. Whatever you want. I'm going to move anyway, just so. Just trip down the stairs. If I do, I'll be the first to know. So, <laughs> so I, I uh, the donut thing is a really good idea, by the way. I can't help you with the hundred bucks, but I can lay hands on you for the donuts. If you, <laughs> I always wondered what Greg meant. He said Innovo runs on Duncan, and I didn't know what that meant, but but now I do. Um, in my Church today, we're talking about generosity. So anybody that should get a hundred ought to get a raise of twenty. So there you go. <laughs> if you just said two hundred, I don't know what I was going to do. <clears throat> I told a group of people that were at Greg's house last night. I said, you know, I have um, I have a lot of issues, uh, but not the least of which is. I really think I'm funny, and I don't mean looking, I mean like funny haha. <laughs> so if you'll just consider that to be a reality for the next half hour or so, uh, it'll work real good. Actually, um, I'm going to do several things first. Uh, I got this really cool journal, and I hate it. <clears throat> it's like a saddle. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a journal guy, but a few days ago I was praying. And um, Greg, why don't you and Arnott come up here, if, if you could, would you please? Because I got a little, I got a word for both of you, I think, individually. And uh, I, uh, this is what I do. I, I write down what I think the Lord's telling me. Some people write what they're telling the Lord. And so I just said, uh, Lord, what about Wichita? How would you speak to me today? And then I wrote Arnott's name down, and this is what I heard. And so this doesn't mean it's an infallible. It just means this is what I felt like the Lord was saying. And I said, Arnott, I, I saw you as the uniformed man on a train who takes and checks the passengers' tickets. Some tickets <laughs> uh, are tickets for certain, but they have, the people are on the wrong train. Their choice of tracks will not connect them to their divine destiny. And you can conduct them to a different route, usually a different way of thinking, and help them connect to their destiny in God. Sometimes people are upset that you might try to tell them that they're on the wrong train. (laughs) But those who have ears to hear are grateful that God cares enough and values their commitment to him enough that he is using you to speak to them and direct their steps. 
So I'm going to pray for you if I can. Uh, Lord, I, I just believe that's true. And uh, if you're going to use him as a conductor, it means that you're conducting him. Mm-hmm. And I ask that you would give him insight with understanding so as to help people know what God is doing. Mm-hmm. Recognize that they're not just on a train, they're on his train. And mm-hmm. the destiny is one that he's set forth, not one that they've just imagined. Mm-hmm. And I ask, Lord, for that divine connection with destiny mm-hmm. to be a word that will bless and help and empower people. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. That wasn't so bad, wasn't it? Didn't hurt or anything. Yeah. I'll let you handle that one, man. <clears throat> so I saw Greg as an auctioneer who is skilled to know the worth or value of a person, a possession, a place, or an idea. This is a great service to people in decision-making and protects them from being driven simply by zeal, momentum, ambition, fear, shame, or regret. He's able to help people know that their true identity and what their genuine worth in the Lord is and can prevent people from constantly selling themselves short. An auctioneer can quickly separate the precious from the worthless and help make people uh, place value where God places value. He also can direct people to the issues and paradigms that have a lasting, eternal outcome. So, Lord, I pray you would do that. I, you know, you can, I can't do the auctioneer thing. Oh, I, wonder, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that one. But I know what it's like. You, Lord, can show you someone, and you're able to see the value that he sees in them and place the value on them that they've never been able to place on themselves, maybe even help them get the Father's blessing where they can have a, a sense of worth and value that allows them to believe that God could use them in the way that he's drawing them. And Lord, I believe that there's just something about looking at something that's maybe old and tattered and it looks like it should be thrown away, but to the eye that can see, it's a masterpiece. It's a jewel. It belongs in a museum. It's worth more than anybody could possibly understand. And I pray that you would up the ante for Greg and he would be able to see that in people and release it in people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, you're a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm old enough to be one. Thank you. That was Thank good. you so much. Yeah, bless Did you. Did you know that to me? Both of those? Yes, I'll have to type it because you can't possibly read my handwriting. Um, I'm not really a sloppy dresser. I've been recovering from shingles for quite a while, so I'm all wrapped up in here. So if you see that kind of stuff, it's not a bad T-shirt. It's actually bandaged. And, so, uh, and I was telling our not. One of the things I have to take, it's, uh, I've been messing with this since May, and now I have neuropathy, nerve pain going on. And it's, um, I don't ever use a King James, but I use it on this. Uh, when it comes to this pain from, from shingles, it sucketh. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> so... <clears throat> Um, I quote this verse all the time from 119th Psalm, but I felt like I was supposed to say something about it, Um, so I guess I will. And and it says this, God is good, and he does good. And then it says, teach me 
your statutes. So, I haven't fallen, I've done this twice now. If you don't really get this nailed, that God is good, and he does good, there's some stuff you can't ever learn. He says, I am good, and I do good. And then the psalmist says, so teach me. Teach me your statutes. If you don't get the goodness of God nailed down like really good, he'll do something or fail to do something in your perspective, and then you can say, oh, I thought he said he was good. I'm telling you, he is good, (laughs) and he does good. And when you get that down, there are things he can help you learn and hold on to that you can't hold on to. It's like you got a hole in your pocket. You put it in, and it goes right down. And this is so significant. I could probably just spend the whole time on this. I probably won't. But when you come to grips in all sets of circumstances that God is good, and because he's good, he's perfect, and because he's perfect, he can't change. So he's unchangeably good. And he does unchangeably good. And that, when I accept that, when I understand that, when I come to grips with that, then I can say, oh, now teach me stuff. <laughs> and I don't have to question or wonder or weigh it and say, well, is he really that good, you know? Um, I, I, well, I had a lady come to me one time, and she said, uh, I'm, I'm leaving the church. And I said, well, get in line, you know. I, <laughs> I didn't really say that, but I, I said, I, what happened? She said, my brother. I didn't even know she had a brother, and apparently um, during a rainstorm earlier that month, he'd uh, drank a couple of six-packs and uh, drove off a bridge and, and died. Why did God, didn't God save him? Why did God take him like that? And I said, well, the book I read says it's the enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I said, uh, if you're mad at God, maybe you ought to write Anheuser-Busch a letter because they made the beer that he drank, that, <laughs> in, that he drank two six-packs of, and in a fierce rainstorm, drove off a bridge. And, and he said, well, I'm never going to have anything to do with God again. And I said, uh, you're not hearing me. Because she, she couldn't understand that maybe her brother might have had some, <laughs> you know, probably shouldn't have drank the two six-packs, probably shouldn't have driven in the rain, definitely should not have driven off the bridge. And, and nobody forced him to do that. But she was so messed up, not knowing that God is good and that he does good, that she couldn't iron out the thoughts. And she had to leave the church because the church had something to do with God and she wasn't going to have anything to do with God anymore. That, that hurts my brain that people would think like that. It should hurt yours too. Because that's not what he's like. Now, uh, I can't explain everything that I see happen. Can you? And so... I think everybody carries this little mystery bag over your shoulder. I got one, you just can't see it. <laughs> and there may be stuff I can't always explain. But I can put it in there, and sooner or later, the answer comes around. And I didn't have to run away from God or kick him off the, the bus, you know, in the meantime to do so. And so I think you need to allow room for the fact that, okay, maybe I don't know everything yet. I think I was told Steve this yesterday. I said, you know, I can remember walking down the church aisle one time. I was in there by myself praying, and, and there was some kind of conundrum that I'd butt, uh, butted up against. And, and I said, uh, Lord, I don't understand. And just real simple, 
I heard in my heart, he said, oh, where is it written, thou shalt understand? And I said, okay. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of what it is. He is good, he does good. And if you know that and you get it nailed, then you'll be able to be instructed and, and taught and had things revealed to you at a level that you previously couldn't. So um, I told Greg this yesterday, so I guess I'm going to follow through, uh, have some integrity here. Uh, many, 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 many years ago, I had an encounter with a passage of Scripture. And when I had it, it re- when this happened to me, it really changed me in some ways. And uh, I made a promise to the Lord at that time that any time I went anywhere uh, to speak, the first time I would always start with this and then figure out what I was going to do afterwards. This is uh, John chapter 14. Um, starts at verse uh, 27. Uh, I was a, an unpaid uh, youth pastor in a small Baptist church. And, uh, but it was pretty good. They'd never had a youth ministry before, and uh, consequently they didn't ever pay for one before, so they weren't paying me either. <laughs> but uh, I was having a great time with the kids, and, and the idea of fasting came up. Isn't that a, fasting is such an interesting word? They should call it slowing. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever... I've never had, a, never had a fast fast. It's always gone by slowly. <laughs> you know? Well, in our little culture there, we just... Fasting wasn't anything. We prayed, but fasting was something you talked about. I don't know anybody that had ever really done it. And so I got to thinking about it, and I said, okay, I'm going to go for it. And I bought a couple books on fasting, and I read them, and, and uh, you know... They were talking about long, you know, 10-day, 20-day, 30-day, 40-day fast. And I was kind of hoping to do 24 hours. That, that was my goal at the time. And so I decided I was going to do this, and I got a day off, and uh, I got some books and my journal and the Bible and, and, uh, and a bottle of water, which I don't like water, but it's good for you. Uh, and I went to this park in St. Joe, Missouri, where I was living at the time. And uh, uh, they asked, the guy let me in early. It didn't open until 6. I got there about 5.30, and the guy happened to be there, and he just let me in. And I said, boy, I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm not going home till I hear from heaven. About 10 in the morning, I had this incredible headache. And man, I'm rebuking the devil and, you know, anything I can think of to do. And, and then I realized that um, I drink tea. Not coffee, but tea has as much caffeine in it as coffee does if you drink the right kind. And uh, I had never had not drink, had a hot tea in the morning. And this morning I was drinking water. By about 10 o'clock, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I can't even read. My head hurts so bad. And then the Lord dropped into my mind, well, dummy, you have a caffeine addiction. I thought, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so... Rebuking the devil didn't hurt because it was a caffeine. So, well, I toughed it out. I was going to make it. Four o'clock rolls around. I still haven't heard anything from the Lord. And I haven't eaten anything. And I had a headache. And I wanted my mother. You know, I just felt <laughs> you know, just, things were bad. And, and I happened to turn my eyes on this passage of Scripture. And uh, John 14, verse 27 says, uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I will go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you'd rejoice because I go to my father, for the father is greater than I. Now that I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you can believe. So he's telling the disciples, guys, this is what's going to happen, and I don't want you to be shocked. Well, when it happened, what happened? They were all shocked. They just <laughs> couldn't believe it. This couldn't happen. Uh, scared to death. They were troubled. All the things he said not to do. And then he says, I will not speak much more with you. This is John 14. Pretty soon he's going to the cross. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. You should have like that on your refrigerator as a verse. The ruler of the world is coming. And Jesus says, he got nothing in me. There's no darkness in me. There's no evil in me. There's no hate in me. The enemy has nothing in me. Uh, Do you get cancer, man? You better know that Jesus knows what he's saying. And the ruler of this world has got nothing in him. My wife's just recovering from leukemia. And this is not from God. He didn't give it to her. He didn't want her to have it. I was in, had COVID real bad, was in the hospital, and I gave my wife COVID while she had leukemia, <laughs> and then I got the shingle stuff. I, whoops. I'm used to the wooden one I could beat, uh, and if I do that, I won't have another arm. But you've got to know who he is, and there isn't any darkness. There isn't any evil. There isn't any condemnation in the Lord, and you've got to know that, because if you don't, it's going to mess up with your thinking real bad. So he tells the, and I think they probably were pretty shocked, referred to the devil as the ruler of this world, since he'd already told them that he was the king of kings. But anyway, we'll go on. He said, I won't speak with you much more, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. And then this last little verse just, I mean, I had fireworks going off in me. But so that... Or in order that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's go. He says, in order that the world may know that I love the Father, I do all the stuff I do. I've been running around for the last three or four years, because that's about how long I've been saved, trying to prove to people how much God loved them. And of course, he does. But that's only 180 degrees from what Jesus did. Jesus said, I live the life I live. I do the stuff I do so the world will know that I love him. And when they get that, they automatically know that he loves them. Dude, I'm dynamite. And I thought, well, I, and it's not that I was wrong because God loves people. But that's not how Jesus did it. You know, the little, what would Jesus do? The first thing he would do is cut off the stinking armband. But, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but his life here existed as a proof to his love for the Father. And I, I got it. I mean, like I got it. And I said, oh, wow. That's going to change things. Because it wasn't like I was a bad guy. But my true north is loving him first, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength, and others as yourself. You can't, 
people will wear you slick if you don't love God first. Amen. And most. I'm a people, I know. And I'm, people will tear you up, wear you down. You got this, and this is why you're here. It's all about you. It's all for you, Jesus. That's the truth, man. And I went back to my little youth group and taught them that verse. And I would sneeze, and two kids would get saved. It was amazing. Because something had happened in here, in me. And I'm telling you, if that happens in, in here with you, it'll change stuff. It'll change how you do, what you do. God's a motive man. And when you get the motive right, pff, methods will just fall in place. And church, religion is a lot about methods a lot of times. No, the Lord's about motive. He said, I'm, I, wanna, I want you to do what I'm doing. I'm not going to have many other opportunities to talk to you. Here's the thing I really want you to get. This is why I do what I do. Because I love him. Oh, man. And so I went back, and my kids caught it. I mean, I had about 50 kids in a youth group in a church of 120. So, I mean, we were, I kind of had a community-wide, you know, thing going. And these kids, I mean, I came home one night and told my wife, I said, these guys, actually, these kids believe what I'm telling them. She said, well, didn't you want them to? I said, I just never expected them to. <laughs> so I get a knock on my door. About, this is about two weeks later. And uh, it's a young man, 18, 19. And he said, I got to talk to you. And I said, I don't know if I did the right thing. Well, that really means I think I did the wrong thing. <laughs> you know? And he, he says, what? And he talks, mentioned a girl's name and who was fine. I mean, she was a really good-looking girl. And he said, we went out on a, whatever. We went to a movie or something, and they were parked on a side street. And uh, I still can't, but this was wonderful. He said, uh, I said, go ahead, man. You can't tell me anything I don't know. I mean, all that kind of stuff. He said, she put the moves on me. And I said, what did you do? He said, I took her home. I said, just let me slow down. <laughs> You're in with this beautiful girl, and she puts the moves on you. And he said, well, I, cause he said, well, I quoted you. And I thought, well, what did you say? <laughs> you know? And I had told them, you don't have to have a problem when you go out on a date. You don't, we don't? I said, no. Just imagine that you've shrunk your mother to a six-inch figure, and she sits on your shoulder. <laughs> and she knows everything you're saying and doing. I was kidding them. But they didn't know it. And he said, I just imagined my mom. And he said, she'd have killed me if I'd have done anything. <laughs> she says, and, and she said, and, you know, like you said, we're supposed to prove that we love God. So he took her home. He said, did I do the right thing? I was, I was so stunned, I thought, yeah, good for you. You really do listen. <laughs> the next, this was on a, on a Saturday night, Sunday, I uh, had my little youth group on Sunday night. The girl comes to me. I got to talk to you. And I thought, I know nothing. <laughs> she tells me the same story and asked if I would pray for her because she didn't want to offend the Lord. And she shouldn't have done what she did. Now, come on. I thought, 
That, that's the night I went home and told my wife, these kids believe what I say. <laughs> but you know what? When you get the motive lined out, then the methods straighten out, don't they? I just challenge you to read that verse. John 14, 31. And see if that doesn't say something to you differently. And uh, i got to be honest with you, I have, I've probably shared this, oh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 times over the years. And I've, I've, I've had people come to me every place I've gone and said, we never heard that before. And I said, well, I hadn't either until, <laughs> until, until I came across. I'm saying, this is true north. This is how you're able to walk it out. See, when you get that right, then there's no question, he is good. He does good. And I'm teachable. I'm, I, I can be taught now because I'm not trying to argue with God or get away with something. That make sense? Well, I'm putting that away so I won't talk about it anymore. I want to I spend just a little bit of time, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But I've been... I've been uh, investigating the whole concept of strongholds again. And, uh, and Greg said you guys have been talking a little bit about strongholds and mind renewal and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to just share a couple things with you. I'll, go, I'll, I'll be quick because I've already been, you know, okay. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. And it, I know some of you are looking at him, he doesn't use a Bible. I've got all these verses printed. So. Just when you use one of these, it's hard to use the Bible because they're too heavy. So I don't, this is how I do it. Second <laughs> Corinthians 10.3 from the Amplified Version. For though we walk or live in the flesh, and he's talking about this stuff, not carnality in the flesh. We are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. I like the way that it says it um, in that version. And so, I don't know about you, but the first, the first things I did with strongholds was try to get them out of me. Right? Then I discovered, this is powerful stuff for helping other people. Because you can help people destroy strongholds in their thinking. Now, uh, I want to help you here a little bit. Uh, unless you're unlike most of, well, I was going to say, most of you are people. You're all people. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I was not saved before I got saved. Right? You were too. Some of us just acted more like it than others. But you get ways of thinking, ways of understanding tied up in your head, and pretty soon you think it's the truth. Um, 
I must be going to make a point because I'm walking back down here. I'm praying for a lady one day, meet another guy. And uh, uh, I don't remember one of us had a word about um, people being able to quit smoking cigarettes. And uh, so we gave it, and this lady came up. I knew her. And uh, I said, well, what's, how can we help you? You know, she said, I can't quit smoking. And uh, every once in a while, you just forget to be polite, and you just say what you're thinking. You know, you don't have your pastor hat on or whatever. And I said, that's a lie. And she looked at me. She said, I told you I can't quit smoking. And I said, I told you it's a lie. <laughs> we were kind of at a standoff now. <clears throat> and I said, um, when did you give your heart to the Lord? And she told me. And, and uh, when did you get baptized? And she told me. And how long have you walked with the Lord? And she told me. And I said, do you know that across the United States, there are people who don't like God, don't know God, and aren't saved, and they quit smoking? There are people across this country. That happens to lost people every day. And she just looked at me. Well, what are you trying to say? You say I'm not a Christian? I said, no. You're a liar, and you don't know it. Because you've believed so long a lie in your life, it now has the effect of the truth in your life. She goes, I said, I can go slower if you, if, you, if you want me to. But see, that's a stronghold. And she honestly believes she couldn't quit. Gives the first thing out of her mouth. Why? Because deep down in here, she'd been deceived because she tried a few times and didn't, get to, didn't quit successfully. So now she believes something in her, about her, that is not true, but she treats it like it's true because she's done it over and over and she was mad. How, you managed to be mad at a nice guy like me. <laughs> but she, she was mad. And as far as I know, she's still smoking. I mean, I, I don't know that. But she could not budge off the point. It was almost like holy ground. Like, well, I know me. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> yeah. But you don't know the inner workings that are going on in there. So... I'll just, I love this example I'm going to give you, so please act like you love it when I say it, okay? Because this is really good. Um, I'm looking out here. Some of you are close to as old as I am, and, uh, you know, we're middle age, right? I mean, but then how many people do you know that are 140? Well, anyway. <laughs> kind of tunes you back in, doesn't it? <laughs> but... So some of you used to have stereos, record players, vinyl, LPs, right? And it had a little needle on it, and you put it on, and it was the Beatles or the Birds or somebody, right? And, uh, and then after a little while, you play it too much, it gets a scratch in it, right? And then it's, she loves you, yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> it keeps hitting that niche in the thing. And so we were really scientific. Uh, I'd get a nickel out of my pocket and put it on the needle. And she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't go through. Why? Get this tune up. It was change that made the song. <laughs> 
Dude, this will preach. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? Yeah, and you know what? It worked because there was a little more weight and it went through. Change will drive you through and get rid of the stronghold. Renewing of your mind. Huh? See, now you like me. <laughs> I've used that a number of times, but it's absolutely the case. So how do we arrive at change? How do we do this? See, the issue is, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Right? And repentance means to be able to have the capacity to change the way you think about something. When you can change the way you think about something, you're able to make a better choice or decision, and pretty soon, this stronghold, which I think is best defined as a house of thoughts, this house of thoughts that you've constructed, usually out of a deception or harm or pain that you've experienced, uh, my you develop this response. My uh, oldest grandson, he was just a little bitty guy, and we were just little bitty grandparents. We weren't smart enough to do everything right. And we had glass doors on our fireplace, and the fireplace was on, and he put his hand on that glass door. Burned his hand bad. He was only like one and a half or something. And I said, oh, Sammy, don't touch that door. It's hot. And for... Oh, about the next six or seven years when he walked past the fireplace, <laughs> he pointed out and he go, Hata. <laughs> because he'd touched it, but he had learned. He didn't have to touch it again to realize it created pain. Problem is, if you get something that burns you deep enough, you'll reroute the way you do things to avoid the burn spot that you got in you. And it makes you think that way, even though if you could calm down and get rid of the pain, you'd say, no, that's not really how I feel. Hot. <laughs> I can't quit smoking. When you say it over and over again and think it over and over again, pretty soon it comes out of in here how you really feel, what you really believe, and it'll pop out of your mouth like that because you're going to defend your position because you're not going to get burnt again. And so you're going to walk around that thing to the point where you've totally justified that and you can't understand why other people are so stupid that they don't agree with you. Right? You know, stupid's a Latin word for dumb, okay? <laughs> if you don't like stupid, you can, you can say that. Uh, so the issue here is we're, with these weapons that God gives us that are mighty through God, truth being one of them, we can dismantle ways of thinking in a manner that causes cause us to say, oh, I have grace on my life now. I don't have to think that way anymore. I do have to agree that it's messed up, that it's awry, that it's not the way it should be. The Bible doesn't say it that way, right? And so when I can come to that conclusion, oh, well, now I can see better. I can make better choice. I'm going to arrive in a different position. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually going to grow up in this fashion and in this way. And haven't you met people like that? 
who in so many areas of their life, they're just really mature and sound and everything like that. But they've got a couple of things that are just whacked out. They've probably been hurt. They've been damaged. They've been lied to. They misunderstand. Right? A lot of people have misunderstandings about God. Some people think God is just that cosmic boogeyman up there with the fly swatter. And as soon as you make a mistake, you're going to take you out. If you think God's mad at you, um, somebody lied to you along on the way. Because he's not. He took all of that and put it on Jesus, <laughs> who took it on the cross and paid for all of it. And peace. I was going to say this while we were singing, Will, but um, God has the same thing to say to people who are way away from him as he does to have, he says to people who are close to him. He said, peace to those who are near. And peace to those who are far away. Because he's already bridged the gap. Now you've got to believe that about God. Or don't raise your hand. But every once in a while we make a mistake. Today. <laughs> Bible calls it sin. Right? We don't want that revealed. We don't want that exposed. And so uh, we're probably not going to own up or fess up to that. And when you... When you do that long enough, you get callous about it. It's very difficult to change your mind and make the right decision. You guys are messing with my notes here because I'm not looking at them. <laughs> um, here's my favorite one. I'll, I'll start to back off. I know Greg had talked to me about Romans 12, 1 and 2, and that's kind of the standard fare here. You know, I beseech you by the <clears throat> brethren, by this choice that you're going to make to make a living sacrifice, you know, that's holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, people think that discipleship is the goal of Christianity. It's not. Transformation is the goal of Christianity. What I really meant to say was this transformation it's the goal of Christianity. Discipleship is a means to that end. But it's not the end. Transformation is the end. One of the reasons we have such a hard time with, with uh, evangelism is that we see so few transformed people. Now, don't throw anything. That's just, I'm just reporting. I'm not complaining, okay? But it's real. It's real. And there are steps to it. I've been, spent a long time on that. The issue is this. I need to agree that he wants to transform me. That's what he promises Jesus he's going to do. He said, you know, uh, if you love God, right, he's going to make all things conform. They're going to become transformed. He's going to take that bad stuff and make it good so that he can conform you to the image of his son. His promise to Jesus is I'm going to cause everybody to become like you. But if we don't agree with what he says, that isn't going to happen. But all things work together for good. Why? Because you know what he's like. You know that he is good. You know that he does good. You know now that you can be teachable. He can show you those things. You can reject being conformed to this world. And you can begin to accept the renewing of your mind. That will empower you to make choices that agree with God. It's always humility to agree with God. Always. Always. What does that mean? It means if I can agree with God, and that's humility, he gives grace to the humble. 
look out. <laughs> He's coming to get you for good. He's after you for good. Well, that's just positive mental attitude. No, it isn't. It's the gospel. I used to quote Derek Prince all the time, and I guess I will today, too. Derek Prince, wonderful teacher of years past. I won't try to do the English accent, but boy, it's good. Uh, mine isn't, his is. But he said, listen, if what you're preaching does not have good news in it, it's not the gospel. Because the gospel is good news. <laughs> I guess I did it. <clears throat> I can't help but I hear it from him and I can say, but isn't that right? You know, so, uh, Greg, you're going to go to hell. That's not good news. <laughs> now, it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, if you don't give your heart to the Lord, that's going to happen. We can't water down the truth. We have to tell the truth. The truth is, he's made the solution for this. The Lord's provided a way out and a way in for you. He says, we have been I keep looking at my watch and I keep talking. He says, we have been transferred, transferred from the realm of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Actually, it says the domain of darkness. What does that mean? It means, know it or not, you have been dominated. Ephesians chapter 2 said that we were born in a, dead in our trespasses and sins. I'm, don't do this. I made this mistake once. I was dedicating the baby. And I was going to preach on Ephesians 2 that day. So I've got this beautiful little baby in my arms. And I said, this sweet, cuddly little thing is born dead in its trespasses and sins. <laughs> it was real and true, but mama cried. Uh, <laughs> I went, what I meant to say, you know. But it's true. Most Americans don't believe that. When you're born, you're born dead spiritually, dead in your trespasses and sins. And unless you get transferred out of that sphere, environment of darkness and death, you're still under the, dom the domain, the, do the domination of the enemy, and you're never going to get it straight. But when you get transferred, you guys transferred it up here from Tennessee, right? Y'all don't talk like, anyway, you know what I'm saying? There's a, and you probably eat hominy and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, good, I don't either. No, I, I hate hominy, and so. I do. Anyway, another story. But when you get transferred on a job, people don't sound the same as they did in the southern part of the country. Or, you know, if they're, or if they're from Boston, you know, that kind of stuff. They, there's a different language, there's a different demeanor, values are different. When you get transferred out of darkness and into the kingdom of God, the transfer is the beginning of the transformation. But it isn't the end. He's going to keep cause, causing things to work together for good for you because you love him, and so he can further conform you to the image of his son. And some people get transferred out and figure like, I'm in. Well, no. <laughs> this is of the increase of his kingdom, his government, and his peace. There isn't any end. Uh, as the old song would say, this could go on forever. Yes, it does. 
supposed to. We're going to continually be conformed to the image of Jesus. So there's an old song called, One Day Jesus is Going to Call My Name. I want to get so close to him that there's no big change. Because one day Jesus is going to call my name. Are you, are you with me? This takes the renewing of our minds because we have to make choices sometimes that look like they're against us. I first got saved. I was wanting to be a philosophy professor. I didn't believe anything. didn't believe there was a God. I got saved. Boom. Jesus revealed himself to me as the truth. I knew the truth was a person. I was electrified. I thought, oh, my gosh. Then I said, uh, my wife said, well, you know, you need to go to church. I said, really? I said, you know, uh, I said, they always used to tell me, if you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. And I'd go, church, hell. Mm. I think I'll stay home. (laughs) I didn't like church, didn't want to go to church, didn't want to be in church. The issue wasn't so much that what I thought, it was, what did he think? He said, don't forsake the gathering of the saints together. Okay, then if you say it's good, I'll go. But I don't understand this. And I was going, Lord, you know, do I really have to believe that the earth was made in, you know, six days or whatever? You know? And he goes, why don't you just hang all that on the hat rack? You got Jesus, right? Don't worry about the rest. So I did. I would just take all these things that I just were conundrums to me Shoot, after a year, I didn't even remember they were there because I discovered the truth. I knew who the truth was. I knew what the truth said. Truth is him and his word. And the more I got that in me, the more truthful I became. And there was less room for, you know, crazy thinking, uh, worldly thinking left in my mind. Now, there was still plenty of junk in there. I, like, I got a jukebox in my head. I, can't, I swallowed one, and it just... <laughs> I know all songs, it's crazy. It's just bad. I, you know, I can't memorize a Bible verse, but I can tell you all the words from you know, lots and lots of songs. But see, that's a stronghold too, in a, manner of, in a manner of speaking. Strongholds can be really good. I've got a friend that probably has at least half of the Bible memorized. I hate him. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't really I think he's great. But that's just been something that he has done. He has created a stronghold hiding the word in his heart that he might not sin against the Lord. Wow. I don't do that good. I mean, I've got some, but I don't do it that good. But I know this, the word of God is the most powerful weapon against strongholds forming in your life. When you discover the truth, the truth swallows up most of your arguments. That's really good news. And I'm going, yeah. You're right. Have you ever read that verse that says his thoughts are above our thoughts? That's true. Your elevator don't go all the way to the top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's just the way it is. But as your mind is renewed, you become more comfortable with understanding what the length, the breadth, the height, the depth you know, of the love of God is. And the more you know that and the more you know him. Oh, yeah, well, he shares with us the things we need to know that we might not sin against him. Most of it is wrong thinking. Okay, I'm going to stop here for just a second. I mean, in just a second. Matthew 13, 33 to me is the... If I were going to talk to you and I could only give you 
one verse to help destroy a stronghold, this would be the one I would use. Talking about the lady who has three measures of meal and she's taking yeast, okay, to work it into the three measures of meal. And after you do that, yeast is alive, it's activated, right? And you take the yeast and work it through the three measures of meal and the meal, the flour, takes on the character and the nature of the yeast. Am I right? Okay. So here we are innocently one day reading our Bible and John 14, 31 pops off the page, for example, like it did with me. And I took that Holy Spirit energized, charged particle of the Word of God and worked it through the three measures of my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. And the more I did that, my mind, what I thought, my will, what I would choose, my emotions, what I would feel, began to take on the nature of the truth that is the Word of God, and that is Jesus Christ. Come on. <laughs> and you do that, and you, you know, because you can say it, you can sing it, you know, you can visualize it, you can harmonize it, you can, all these different things you can do with it, so that your, the Holy Spirit is able to quicken those facilities within you, so you're going to see it the way he sees it, feel about it the way he feels about it, and make choices around it the way he would make choices. And that's ripping up strongholds because you're tearing down, you're, you're, you're mitigating the, what's already happened and you're militating against what the enemy wants to do. Now I'm going to make a theological statement and you don't have to agree with me, but let's deal with the reality. I got the mic, okay? So you don't have much choice. I don't think that most of the strongholds in people... Um, are the presence of a demon. I don't. I think they're the proof that demonic influence has been there. Because once I can train that lady to say, I can't quit smoking, she'll never stop. And I don't have to mess with her anymore. I can go on and bother somebody else. Enemy can only be one place at one time. Come on. You know, he doesn't have all the qualities of God. And so I believe the enemy sets up things in our childhood, in our, you know, relationships, marriages, whatever, that just mess with us to the point that if we don't get revelation from heaven to be able to make another kind of choice, we're going to make these choices our whole lives. I had a lady come to me one day. She said, I'll just say the guy's name was John because that's me. It wasn't John and it wasn't me. He's going to do this and this and this. He's already done this 16 times. What do you think about that? And I didn't have that hat on again. And I just looked at her and I said, shame on you. What do you mean shame on you? I said, if this guy's done the same thing 16 times in a row and you keep putting your feet out there to get walked on, shame on you. You should be, at least be smart enough to have your feet back so you don't get stepped on. And it would be right to me to think you should point out to him, you've done this and this and this and this and this. When are you going to see this doesn't work? 
She said, well, how can you say it's my fault? Because you're able to hear, sit here and tell me you know he's going to do it again. <laughs> you're enabling the guy. So they both had a stronghold. Because he, well, number one, he was a man. So, you know, guys make mistakes. Uh, well, yeah, they do. <laughs> Backing up. <clears throat> when she looked, looked at me and told me that, I thought, oh, I get it. You can't stand to confront him, and you also can't stand to go through the pain of the consequences that are going to be there when he makes this mistake again. So you're really in a conundrum. There's actually two strongholds there. And the guy, he was just, you know, brain dead. You just don't, you know, you just don't do that over and over and over and over and think you're right, you know. And uh, so I was able to talk to him both later, and, and uh, he was able to see it. He wasn't, a, he wasn't uh, desiring to change it, but he was able to admit it. Well, that's, you know, that's a start. Truth. Jesus is the truth. The Bible is the truth. You expose yourself to the spirit of truth, and he will lead you in ways to start tearing down, probably thought by thought, because that's how those houses are built, that are strongholds, and get rid of that. But I'm telling you, once they're set in there, it's a little bit like press the button and the dog salivates. That kind of behavior is learned. And when you learn it, how many of you know that all of us in here have an opinion? Yeah. And we all think we're right. Don't we? Again, fortunately, I have the mic. <laughs> but we all think we're right. Chances of us all being right, uh, not very good. But, but I can tell you what the Lord told me. He said, John, now again, I've never heard audibly, but I don't have to. You know and you're knower, you know, right? And he said, you've got to let go of your vaunted opinions. I said, Really? Yeah, what the heck. I'm... This came about. Uh, we were uh, going after, uh, praying for people whom we knew weren't saved. And we had purple pieces of paper, half sheets, like a bulletin insert type of size of thing. And we, for a month, we asked people to write people's names on there and put beside them, do they need to turn to the Lord or return to the Lord? And... So one, whatever it was, Tuesday morning, uh, we had a cross about like that one on the stage, and I took push pins, and I prayed over every one of those purple pieces of paper and decorated both sides of the cross in these purple, royal purple, like, you know, he's king of king, that kind of thing, deal. And it took me almost four hours to do this. And when I got down, I was thinking, I have had a spiritual day. You know, <laughs> I was thinking, it's pretty cool. And, and, and uh, at the end of another month, 17 of those people had gotten saved, by the way, just saying. Um, that was very cool. But I'm there, and I'm feeling pretty spiritual. And uh, the Lord said, hmm, you need to take your vaunted opinions and put them the same place you've been putting those purple pieces of paper. I said, uh, anything else? <laughs> 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 and 
And he wasn't angry. He was just corrective. You know, like, this is going to help you the next step. And I walked away, and I wasn't, I wasn't crushed or anything. I just thought, wow, you let me go through this whole thing to recognize how valuable this is to you, that those names would be put there because you don't want those people to perish. But you also don't want people to perish because of my vaunted opinions. So you wanted them on the cross too. I thought, oh man. Now, that was a word of knowledge to me. And anytime anything like that came up after that, I was able to go, hmm, give me one of those push pins and I'll just go. <laughs> but that's a destruction of a stronghold too. Because most of us think we're right. And it doesn't mean we're wrong. The point is, we have to be able to receive the fact that we might not be lined up perfectly with God. There's a chance that his thoughts are higher than mine. Right? Now, I'm going to quit here. I'm promising. The people that think you're going to quit the first time you say, those are the optimists in the crowd. (laughs) Takes the yeast this Holy Spirit-charged particle of the Word of God and works it through the three measures of, of meal. You know what they call that? Kneading. We need the Spirit-charged Word of God to be worked into our mind, our will, and our emotion. And it's okay to say, Lord, I need you. Because he'll do just that. He'll make those things click in your understanding. See things from a different point of view. And then consequently be able to make different choices. Um, I know this is true because even my wife believed it. Trust me. (laughs) I've had the privilege my whole life of having the Holy Spirit inside me and beside me. (laughs) Kind of, sort of. But she said, Did you, that's, what, what are you doing? I said, well, this is needing the, the uh, spirit-charged particle of the word through what you think. And I wrote some little worship songs, and I put the words in it, you know, and I would sing it, so I'd pray it, I'd say it. I needed to change from the inside out. And God wanted me to change from the inside out. But it's a partnership. We have to agree that we need to. And so, uh, some people get mad when you say they have a stronghold because they think you mean they need deliverance from a demon. That's personally not been my experience, but you can see um, the handiwork. You ever go into a house that uh, has has been vacant for a while and there are droppings you know, mice or dead bugs or that kind of stuff. And they're dead, but they left their mark. I think it, strongholds are a lot that way. They've erected this premise and way of thinking. This, well, actually what it does is say, I actually have more faith and trust in how, what I think than what the Bible says. Now, we never admit to that, but it's true. <laughs> Because we we're good people, we're Christians, we don't want to admit to that stuff. But we don't even know it. That's why revelation is, is required. And sometimes uh, 
it's the guy who's the auctioneer or the guy who's taking the tickets, and he can say, well, that's a really nice ticket, but you're going to Albuquerque, not Albany. You know, you get, <laughs> looks the same, starts with an A, not the same thing, not the same place, right? And so recognizing that we would make choices sometimes and place value on things differently than God places value on something, right? People argue about the dumbest things. I said I was going to quit. I really am in t- two minutes. Here's the biggest one. I read this book many, many years ago. Um, Christian psychologist hated the book um, because he brought this to my attention. I'd never heard it mentioned like this. He said, you know, the trouble with most people, he actually said men. He meant people. Men are, men are people too. Uh, he said, the trouble with most men is that they never come to grips with their self-protective sin. Ugh! I knew exactly what he meant. And I told my wife, I said, I hate this guy. Because I was raised bad, violent, alcoholic home. So the only kind of confrontation was pain. So I, I am avoiding all, all confrontation, stuff like that. And, which means you're fearful all the time. Ah, you know, that's, that, that isn't going to work because love dries out fear. You've got you know, you to make the, the connections. Here's what happens. With me, somebody would confront me in a way, and it instantly, you know, force field up, phasers on stun. I won't protect me. I didn't know that's what I did. My wife was very helpful at pointing that out. <laughs> or at least good at it. And, and see, this is what happens. If we have these strongholds in us, the fact that we've somewhere believed a lie or a deception, then we're going to act out of that deception and we're going to protect ourselves to the hurt and harm of those that we love the most. Now how am I doing? Oh! (laughs) And self-protective sin is the deception. And if you can't see it, you can't get convicted of it and you won't get free from it. I found this really... This really, this is great for premarital counseling, by the way, Greg. Because <laughs> I always look him in the eye and say, I'm going to do something nobody would ever do for you. What? I'm going to tell you something nobody's going to tell you. What? You're going to get married and you're going to find out how stinking selfish you both are. And, and the guy will put his arm around this girl. This girl doesn't have a selfish bone in her body. And I said, dude, she's got bones you don't know about. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> Because self-protective sin is a deception that the love of God is what we, he wants in our innermost being, not our self-protective sin. Hello? This took me six weeks before, and I'm, only, I'm doing it in an hour, so, but I just want to, I want to get this to you. Don't back off if the Lord's knocking on your door. Answer the door he knocks on. Well, I think I, I've been through all that. I've gone through that before. Different plateau, different levels, different devils, you know, that kind of thing. And he, you may have plowed that ground and, and, and produced a bumper crop, but he may have other ideas now about that property that he wants to do something with. Strongholds are a place where the enemy hides his ammunition so that it can go off at just exactly the wrong time in your life. It's a warehouse of thoughts 
that probably aren't all from God and need to be dealt with. So Lord, we just put ourselves before you today. It's so important that you do get to be the Lord of our lives. That means you get to, I love what Watchman Nee said, you get to be the resident boss. And we so want you to rule. We so want you to be in charge. We so want people to get touched by you when they touch us. Lord, would you protect us from ourselves by allowing you to empower these weapons of the word of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the authority and power that is in your hand. And we give you permission to tear down ways of thinking that have been a block between us and you or a block between us and others. One of the things, one of the ones, I guess I can say it this way, shame is a horrible thing to wear. It's, you've got to know that the Bible is true. It says, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he says, and now the just shall live by faith. So now there isn't any condemnation, and now you're free to walk by faith. And if you don't get militant about shame, it'll bug you the rest of your life. I love what the Bible says about Jesus. He says, you know, he, he, he made this sacrifice, and it says that he destroyed the shame despised the shame. That's the only attitude you can afford to have about shame is to despise it. I'm dealing with a couple right now that uh, missionaries and uh, they told their teenage daughter because they were separated. They said, uh, you're the cause of our separation. That kid will wear that for the rest of her life. Shaming her to that point, justifying that mom's okay and I'm okay, but you're the problem. She's a little bit of a problem. I'm not going to say she wasn't. But to put that kind of thing, and, and if any of you have had that kind of moniker put on you that you're to blame. See, guilt means I did something that was wrong. Shame means I'm wrong, and I'm not lovable, and I'm not acceptable, and I can't be included. Man. I just, want to, I just want to rip that. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts from any trace of shame and deal with the source of it. In Jesus' name.